Would you turn with me to two passages this morning? Psalm 34 and Matthew 9. Psalm 34 and Matthew 9. How many were not with us last Sunday? Did you lift your hand? Okay. Uh, this applies more to our, our regular folk, people who are part of the, the Faith Life family. I went into some detail last Friday, excuse me, last Sunday, talking about how that I have it on my heart for you to select individuals from among yourselves, like the book of Acts says, that we may appoint concerning some of the uh, board uh, positions on my board concerning the church. We have a board. Uh, More Life Ministries has existed for a long time, and we have a board, and they decide my, they've decided my salary for years, and, and I, I never have set anything that pertains to us. And, you know, technically we're legal and everything, but I have always felt like that people should have representation out of themselves. And one reason I hadn't said anything about it yet is because we're only eight months old. We're just now beginning to get to know each other a little bit, to know who we who we would have confidence in and, and know and trust. But I want you to be thinking about it. You know, if you're just uh, visiting with us, then this doesn't apply to you. But if you're part of the family here, I want you to be thinking about it over the next week or two and uh, watching and looking as to who you would like to select from among the church to represent you as part of the board uh, for the church that would work with us and and we will pray over them and, and, and agree with your selection. And from, from the selection, appoint uh, maybe one, maybe two, maybe three. We'll see. We'll have to do it all at one time. Won't do anything unless we hear from the Lord about it. But people, think about individuals who have a good reputation in the community, people that you believe are trustworthy and have some wisdom and have some spirituality about them, people that are really a part here, they need to be givers, they need to believe in us, believe in this ministry, people that are hooked. I don't know what I'm talking about. I want you to be praying about this, thinking about this, looking at this, and at the right time, we may just have you write down some names or something, two or three names on a piece of paper and put it in the offering plate when it comes by. We'll take all of these and look at them, pray over them, and see what names stand out from and, and then of course it'll be subject to them wanting to be wanting to be on the board and then us having our heart to approve them. But do you know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? So be thinking about this, be praying about this. This is a significant thing. I want you to have representation uh, on things Matt that concern the church. And uh, the Bible says that's the way they did it. Uh, the church selected from among themselves individuals. Read about it in Acts the sixth chapter. And then the apostles, the leaders, appointed individuals from those they selected. So we're going to follow that example. Have you found your scriptures yet? Psalm 34 and Matthew 9. Are you happy this morning? Good. Don't be too quiet now. I think you're asleep or something. Once in a while, I need you go ahead and tell me. Say, yeah, Brother Keith, that's right. Amen. Tell us some more. Praise God. <laughs> that way I'll know you're, you're there. Thank you, Lord. Matthew, uh, Psalm 34 and Matthew 9. 
In the 34th Psalm, this is a passage I really enjoy that I confess over myself pretty regularly. Psalm 34, the first verse says, I will bless the Lord at good times. Huh? I'll bless the Lord when I feel like it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall occasionally be in my mouth. Huh? How often is continually? How often is all times? Is it scriptural and right to bless the Lord all the time? And to praise Him continually? Hmm? My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Is it all right to brag on the Lord? Yes, Yes, it is. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. What does it mean to exalt? Lift it up. Make much of it. Amen. What does it mean to magnify? Enlarge. Right? Magnify. Can you magnify God? Well, you know, you can't make Him any bigger than He is, but He can sure be bigger to you. Right? I mean, He he is big. And He's already big. He's huge. But He can be bigger to you. Do we need to magnify Him in our thinking? Do we need to magnify Him in our believing? In our talk? He needs to be the biggest thing in our life. Amen? That nothing is bigger or greater than Him. Won't you say it out loud with me? Just start from the top there. Say it out loud with me at this psalm. What does it say? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. It goes on to say, I sought the Lord and He heard me and He did what? Delivered me from all my fears. I want to talk to you this morning. I believe the Lord wants to talk to us this morning about magnifying the Lord. Magnifying God in our lives. We need to keep our eyes on Him instead of the problem. We need to keep our eyes on His ability instead of the need. We need to keep our eyes on the healer instead of the sickness, don't we? We need to keep our eyes on the peace giver instead of the trouble, don't we? We need to keep our eyes on the protector instead of the terror. Can you say amen? Amen. And it's no secret what you've been looking at. We can tell it by your face. 
We can tell it by the tone of your voice. We can tell it by your countenance and by your words. If you're worried, if you're in fear, you have not been magnifying the Lord. You've been magnifying the enemy. And it's a common thing for people to do this. It's a common thing. I mean, you know, in our church, we used to have testimony services. I'm talking about when I was a little boy growing up. And, of course, we believe in testimonies. You hear us give them around here all the time. But different individuals get up and say, Well, you know, I just want to thank the Lord for keeping me all this week, helping me to wake up this morning in my right mind, and health in my body, and I had something to eat. And that's great. That's good. But then somebody stand up and say, The devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. Well, I, I know they're talking about the Lord, but you know. And then go on to tell about how awful it's been. You know, and, and then sit down and say, y'all pray for me. Just pray for me that I'll make it through. Well, was that a, was that a testimony? If anything, it was a prayer request. It wasn't a testimony unless you count it testifying for the devil. Oh, he's been able to beat us up. He's been able to hold us down. He's been able to keep us, and there's nothing we could do about it. Y'all pray for us. Well, you might as well say, Great and mighty is he, the devil. Great and mighty is he, the devil. <laughs> People believe it. If you're in fear, it means you have more faith in the destroyer than you do in the deliverer. Because if you have more faith in the deliverer, you're not afraid of the destroyer. I want to say that again. Think about it. Fear is a perverted form of faith in the enemy. When people are saying, the devil told me he's going to kill me. Y'all pray for me. Y'all help me. Why are you so scared? Because you believe he can do it. What about your God? What about your creator? What about your protector? Well, I know he's there, but the devil told me he's going to kill me. What does that mean? You are magnifying the devil. You're minimizing God. This is happening all over. Go with me if you would. I know you're holding your place in Matthew, but go to Isaiah please, and I believe it's the 50, I think it's the 51st chapter I want you to go to. I mean, yeah, that's right. Isaiah 51. Should you magnify fear, should you magnify the enemy and belittle God? What should you do? Magnify God and belittle the devil. Huh? Have you ever belittled the devil? That was weak. <laughs> Belittle. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, acting foolish about it. I'm talking about belittling the enemy's ability. I know uh, Dr. Hagen that I had the privilege of working with for some 20 years. He said years ago he was having a meeting and the whole... Uh, uh, all the local schools had suspended classes for a while because of the flu and 
athletic games had to be canceled because all the people on the football teams had the flu and and the church meeting, they had going pretty good and they came and finally they're down to a handful of people because everybody's out with the flu. And so after a service one night, I mean the flu's on the on the TV and the news in the newspaper, X amount of people out because of the flu, it was on everybody's lips. What What are they doing then in the community? Magnifying the flu, right? You might as well kneel down and go, Oh, how great thou art, great flu. Oh, great flu. People don't literally do it in, in their knees, but they're doing it in their mind, aren't they? Oh, how great thou art, great flu. They wouldn't say it in those words, and yet they're saying it in other words. And so uh, uh, they, you know, they were talking. Some of the ministers were standing around talking after the service, and there's just a handful of people there, and they're talking about the flu. Did you hear how many people are out off the job with the flu? Did you hear how many, you know, they canceled the ball game because of the flu? The flu wasn't but a few people here tonight. And Brother Hagin said, I won't have the flu. And some of them looked at him and said, one guy actually reached over and whispered and said, Oh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that for anything in the world. The devil might hear you. Well, now let's just stop right there. Why would that preacher, minister, why would that minister say that? Why would he whisper? He's scared. The devil might put the flu on him. And he's speaking in reverential tones. Oh, I wouldn't say that. In other words, what's he saying? You better respect the devil. You be disrespectful of the devil like that. (laughs) He'll hurt you. (laughs) How many Christians reverence the devil? It's a widespread problem. When he said, oh, I wouldn't say that for anything in the world. The devil might hear you. He said, yeah, that's why I said it. (laughs) Said it for his benefit. You ain't going to strike no agreement with the devil. All right, you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. Okay, I'll be nice to you. you He'll say, great, yeah, shake on it. As soon as you turn your back, he'll nail you because he's a liar. So you might as well just go ahead and be bold, amen, and show your confidence in your God. Amen. Yes, I know destruction is in the earth. Yes, I know bad things have happened. I know disease is in the earth. I know accidents are happening to people. But why did the psalmist say, why did he say a thousand may fall at this this side, ten thousand on this side, but it will not come near me? Why would he say that? How could he say that? Should somebody correct him? Should somebody say, oh, you better not say that because you just never know. You just never know. Well, when you're an unbeliever, you never know. But when you have faith, you boast. Your soul makes its boast, not in me, but in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Is He able to keep us in the midst of trouble? Is He able to deliver us 
out of trials, problems. Can He meet our needs? Even with terrible problems in the economy, can He still feed us and take care of us? Can He heal our bodies? Even with terrible diseases trying to attack us, can He do it? We've seen it. We've got testimony after testimony, right? Got how many brain miracles now? Huh? At least five major brain miracles. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Is it? Read Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. Verse 11. Therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion. How do redeemed folks act? An everlasting joy. Joy of the Lord is our strength. They shall obtain, shall be on their heads. They shall obtain what? Gladness. And joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. Is that that what's happening in your life? Are you the redeemed? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you sing? You have joy, gladness, and sorrow and mourning is running away from you. Verse 12. God is talking now. He said, I, even I, am he that comforts you. Who are you? That you should be afraid of a man that shall die. And the son of man which shall be made as grass. Say it out loud. I'm not afraid. afraid. Of any man. man. Or any devil. devil. Or any curse. curse. Or any disease. disease. Or any accident. accident. Or any bill. bill. I am not afraid. afraid. You know what Hebrews talks about? I will not fear. Hmm? What man could try to do to me? Why? The Lord is on my side. He's with me. And if He's with me, if He's for me, who can, I might add the word successfully, be against me? He said, who are you that you should be afraid? Verse 13, and forgettest the Lord your maker that has stretched forth the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth and you have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor as if he were ready to destroy? And where is the fury of the oppressor? How many know God is not scared of the devil? He is not impressed. He is not intimidated. He does not have any degree of fear concerning the enemy's tactics and works. So why should we? That was too weak. To be afraid that you're going to die with cancer. To be afraid that you're not going to be able to pay your bills. To be afraid. That your kids are going to die and go to hell. To be afraid that your marriage is not going to make it. To be afraid is to have confidence in the enemy of your soul. You need to take a stance in your heart. I will not have faith in the devil. Hmm? How can we tell? I like what Job says. At destruction and at famine thou shalt laugh. Now, it takes faith to do that, doesn't it? They come and say, you've got to have $10,000 by the end of the month. Now, we can, we'll know immediately where your faith is at by your response. 
You got to have a hundred thousand dollars by the end of the month. If you go, huh, how much? Huh, huh, hundred thousand. Hundred thousand. Where am I going to get money? A hundred thousand. You might as well just fall on your face and go, oh, great hundred thousand. How great thou art. Oh, great hundred thousand. We worship thee. Oh, great. For you are greater than anything. <laughs> That's what fear does. That's not, you know, it's easy to do. It's easy to let your eyes get on the problem. You, you have symptoms. You get diagnosed with a serious problem that they tell you, we, we can't help you with this. There's, nothing, there's no more we can do. There's nothing we can do. This will kill you. You'll die with this. You might have a week. You might have three months. You might have a year. What do you do? If you look at it and go, cancer. You notice how people talk about some things in hushed tones? I'm glad you laughed. I said, what are you laughing about? This is serious. I'm talking to you. It's AIDS. And then the Christians stand around the bed and go, it's AIDS. Where's God in all this? It's just reverence. Of a stinking work of the devil. AIDS is not of God. Cancer is not of God. No need for me to reverence cancer. I said, oh, you better watch out. You better watch out. It's God's work. It is not God's work. If there had never been any sin, there wouldn't even be any curse in the earth. And one of these days soon and very soon, He is coming back and He's going to straighten this thing out and there's going to be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more, none. No more cemeteries, no more hospitals. Won't be long. But until then, we can enjoy the earnest and the first fruits of our inheritance. We can enjoy healing of our bodies. No, we won't live down here forever mortally. I don't want to. (laughs) But we can be quickened. We can be strengthened. We can be restored until we finish our course. Amen. Do everything we need to do. Sometimes people try to look wise and say, Well, if you never got sick, how would you die? (laughs) You leave your body and it's dead. It's like taking your hand out of a glove. You won't have to stab the glove to get it to be still. There ain't no life in the glove once you take the hand out. And once your body, once your spirit leaves this body, you'll just have to bury it because the life is gone. Turn with me, if you would, to Matthew 9 now. Belittle the works of the enemy. Magnify the Lord. Don't reverence disease. Don't speak on it in hushed tones of reverence. Learn to look at it and say, You are nothing before God. Did you hear that phrase? Learn to look at it and say, 
owe hundred thousand dollars you are nothing before God hmm cancer you're nothing before God AIDS you are nothing before God until you learn that God is far greater than these things your faith will not be there you have to minimize the problem belittle the problem and magnify God In Matthew 9, are you there? Matthew 9. Verse 2. They brought to him, to Jesus, a man sick of the palsy. He's paralyzed. He's laying on the bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith. See, faith is always demonstrated in action. Whose faith? All of their faith. The four men that brought him and the man on the stretcher. If he hadn't had any faith, he wouldn't have let them take him. Haul him out of the house and up and down the street and up on top of the house. He had faith too. They all had faith. Amen. Faith is expressed in words and actions. He said, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins be forgiven you. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think you evil in your hearts? For whether is easier... Everybody say easier. Easier. Which one is easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say arise and walk? But that you may know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the sick of the palsy, Arise, get up, take your bed, go to your house. And he got up. Hallelujah. He arose and he went to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and they glorified God, which had given such power to men. Everybody say men. Now notice what he did not say. He did not say which is harder. Did he? Which is harder? Somebody getting forgiven or somebody getting healed? He didn't say that. He said which is easier because apparently to God they're both easy. (laughs) And if it's easy to God and He's the one doing it, why should we wrestle so much with it? Now if you were having to forgive yourself, it would be a trouble. If you were having to heal yourself, it would be a problem. Hmm? If you, through your abilities and through your own efforts, having to cleanse yourself and make yourself righteous or heal and and make a heart whole again, recreate a valve in your heart, clean up a lung, uh, bring life back into a kidney or, or a liver, if you had to do that out of your physical energy, it would be hard or impossible. Oh, but who's doing it? And to him it is easy. easy. Everybody say easy. 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 How hard would it be this morning for somebody, even though they've made all kind of mistakes, even though they've sinned repeatedly, if they'd get up and come down here this morning and confess Jesus as their Lord and ask him to forgive them and wash them of their sins, should we all get in the floor and start groaning and travailing and go, oh, oh man, this is hard. Oh, God, can you do this some way? Some, no, man, this is hard. 
Do we believe it's easy for him? Then what about a paralyzed man? Huh? Who've had nerves severed. Spinal cord severed. Huh? I said, whoa, that's pretty hard. To who? Do you see what the problem is? People are going, boy, you know, well, I got healed of a headache one time, but this is cancer. Cancer is hard. You know why it's hard? Because people respect it so much. They have faith in it. Faith in it to kill people. Huh? Huh? There are millions of people, when they hear that they've been diagnosed with a disease, in their mind, it's a death verdict. That's it. I guess that's it. Do we serve a God with whom nothing is impossible? And for Him it is easy. Is it easy for Him to forgive sin? Is it easy for Him to heal a paralyzed man? Is it easy for Him to make your lung right again? Restore a muscle in your arm? Is it easy for Him to make that arthritis leave you? Give you freedom in your joints? Is it easy for Him to make that tweak and that adjustment in your mind and in your brain and in your system so you don't have those headaches anymore? Huh? This is hard though. This is... Man, this is hard. I, I worked in, in the healing ministry for years on a daily basis in a healing school. And I don't know at the times that I've sat down with people and started to minister to them and they start telling me about their problem and they want me to be impressed with their problem. And I learned a long time ago that if I'm in faith for healing, if I'm impressed with healing, I can't be impressed with the sickness. I have to believe greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. I got to believe he's greater. The anointing and power of God and healing of God is greater than any disease. And that this cancer and this diabetes and and this high blood pressure is nothing. Nothing. Nothing before him. Nothing. And that every knee must bow. Amen. Every tongue must confess his lordship. When we require it in our lives, it has to be so. But I've had person after person sit down and they're they're telling me. And they can't give me one verse on healing, but they can give me all the Latin names for their problem and all the case histories. And we're into the second hour of them describing it. And I I just stopped them and said, whoa, 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 wait. Uh, Yeah, but the scripture says he took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. And by his stripes were healed. They just got through telling me when the doctor said I had to die. I got maybe a month to live. I said, yeah, but he said. He said. Amen. With with long life, he would satisfy us and show us his salvation. He's with us in our troubles and delivers us out of all of them. And I've had people look at me and go, you're not taking me seriously. This is serious. Yeah, serious unbelief. Serious doubt. But when you're in faith, when your faith is strong, the big need can roll up. And like Job said, at destruction and at famine, you will laugh. You'll just throw your head back and go, ha, ha, ha. Sometimes you have to put it on. Ha, ha, ha. 
because you feel like crying. <laughs> you know, we actually did that in healing school more than once. We did that. I'd teach on it for a while. I'd talk about the joy of the Lord is your strength and how a merry heart does good like a medicine. And we'd talk about those things. And then I'd have people come down and testify. And I'd say, now tell us what's wrong with you. Tell us what the, what the reports are and tell us what the devil has told you. Now, usually I wouldn't have people say that, but in this case we did. And people would say, well, they say that uh, I've got cancer and all over my body. And, and they say that I should have been dead already. And they don't know how I'm still alive. And, and, and they said, and in the middle of it, the people would start laughing. <laughs> They'd just start laughing. And the Lord's my witness. I know of cases where people have stood there and laughed and laughed and laughed and the power of God came on them and they're healed today hallelujah I've done it in my life I've done it in my Phyllis and I have done it have big financial needs come up we've had to laugh since we started this church (laughs) they said you're going to have to have this much By the end of the week, you're going to have to have this much by the end of the month. You've not heard me one time come to you and cry and beg, have you? And say, oh, God, y'all got to help us. If y'all don't help us, I don't know what we're going to do. Hey, you can't meet all our needs. Huh? I'm not going to get my eyes on you. Don't get your eyes on me. Let's get our eyes on him. Let's brag about how big he is and about how great he is. Amen. And lay that bill on the table and laugh at it and go, ha, ha, ha. You're a little bill. You're a little bitty bill. You're a little tiny bill. Huh? You're a little peanut change. Huh? (laughs) I know we're laughing, but that's good. I said, that's good. It was says, you're going to die with this. You ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. If you believe in him, if you have faith in him, you go, <laughs> I'm not going to make it. No, you ain't going to make it. Oh, I'm not going to make it. That means you have faith in his words. You believe in what he told you, and you believe in his ability to bring it to pass. What about your God? What about your God? Did he tell you anything? What has he said? Huh? Who has believed his report, the scripture said. And to whom has the arm of the Lord, the power of God, been revealed? It's the same people who believe the report. Can you say amen? Amen. Somebody say, I believe his report. I believe the good report. I believe the God report. And I am not moved by any evil news. I'm not moved by any evil report. Hmm? How hard is it for God to meet that need? Pay that bill off. How hard is it for God to, to finish paying for these seats in here? Easy. Oh, I like hearing you say that. Tell me again. It's easy. Easy. Not, not just easy. 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 Ah. Somebody said, you're silly. Yeah, but I'm free. I'm happy. Glory to God.
It's not just what you know in your head. It's what's real in your spirit. And when something's real in you, it begins to affect your countenance. It begins to affect your soul. There's no such thing as being strong in faith and being depressed. Cannot be. No such thing as being strong in faith and being worried and frustrated and scared out of your head. Cannot be. Cannot be. I don't care if you made a couple of good confessions. If you're in faith, you are not moved by the problem. And you're exalting and magnifying your God. That's why we need to go around all the time. You know what what the scriptures say? I will bless the Lord at all times. And His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Why? That's how you magnify. That's how you keep from magnifying the problem. You get a bad report. Symptoms are bothering you. Another bill came in. Don't you sit down there and cry. You better stand up and go, God is big. God is big. His resources are unlimited. This is easy for Him. And you've got to keep talking that because when you shut up and sit down and get quiet, you'll start thinking about the problem again. Where is this money going to come from? Man, a hundred thousand. Where am I going to get a million? Where am I going to get a million? I don't even know anybody that's got a million. Yeah, you do. I said, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You know the one who made the heavens and the earth. Yeah, you do. Oh, glory to God. Man, I'd have preached this just for myself this morning. Oh, hallelujah. Listen to Genesis 18. Don't turn there, but just listen to these couple of verses. Genesis 18, you know, when uh, uh, the, the angel of the Lord came and told Abram that, he, that Sarah was going to have a son, and Sarah standing back in the tent, she thought that was funny. She laughed. She thought, I'm going to have a baby. And the Lord looked at her. He said, is anything too hard for the Lord? And she quit laughing. Everybody said out loud, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is it too hard for the Lord for a 99-year-old man and a 90-year-old woman that was barren when she was 20? Is it too hard for the Lord for them to have a child? Not too hard. Not too hard. Then is this thing you need, is it too hard for the Lord? Say it out loud again. Nothing. There is nothing too hard for the Lord. Jeremiah 32, you might want to jot this down if you're taking notes, if you're not familiar with it. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, and also verse 27. Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, you have made the heaven and the earth by your great power and your stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for you. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, say it. Say it out loud with me. There is nothing too hard for you. Say it again. There is nothing too hard for you. Say it again. There is nothing too hard for you. Which is bigger, your debts or your God? Hmm? The disease or your God? Tell me which is bigger. A little bit bigger? 
much, 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 much greater. Can you say amen? amen. Say it out loud. Debts. Yes. My debts are nothing before my God. It's easy for Him to pay these off for me. Easy. Amen. Glory to God. Glory. In this same 32nd chapter of Jeremiah, the 27th verse, he said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The Lord's asking us a question. Hear him and answer him. He said, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? What do we tell him? No, Lord, no. There is nothing too hard for you. No sickness too too hard for you to heal. No need too great for you to meet. No problem too big for you to solve. Yeah, but you don't know my boy. He is a case. Oh, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. I can see you haven't met my relatives. You don't know. Yeah, and you don't know your God. Because that problem is nothing to him. Why don't he fix it? Why don't you believe him? Huh? I better want him to fix it. Why won't he fix it? Why won't you believe him? Faith is not crying. I said, faith is not crying. Let me prove it to you. Numbers. Go to Numbers. My God can do anything. Anything. All things are possible with my God. And all things are possible to him or her that believes. Nothing's too difficult. Nothing's too hard for my great, big, almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Numbers 13. What did I say? 13. Numbers 13. You know this story, but let's look at it. Belittle the enemy. I don't mean just stand and try to cuss the devil. That's just being foolish. Oh, you old slew foot, you old da 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 What does that do? But when something comes up and he's trying to do something in your life, destruction, something that's destroying your family, destroying your business, destroying a part of your body and famine, Lack. Not having enough. You're running out. What do you do in a situation like that? At destruction and at famine, thou shalt laugh. Look at it and go, even if you have to put it on. (laughs) Even if tears are running down your cheeks. Say, ha ha. I said, ha ha. Ha ha ha. Devil, you're a defeated foe. You are stripped and you are brought to naught and you're under my feet and you can't kill me. Amen. You can't kill me. Amen. Now if you're one of those that go, oh, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> then we know what your faith is in. That's right. Your faith's in the devil in his ability to destroy. In Numbers, you know the story about how God had promised the Israelites, the seed of Abraham, 
the land of Canaan, a beautiful, wonderful, rich land that flowed with milk and honey where they wouldn't lack or want for any good thing. And he brought them to it. And sure enough, the spies, you know, one from each tribe, 12 spies went out and searched the land. And you talk about a land of plenty. It took two men to haul a bunch of grapes. That's a too much grapes. <laughs> right? I mean, they had to have a big staff and they're hauling a, a, a bunch of grapes. That's major grapes. And the whole land was like that. God said, I've I've personally picked it out for you. I see to it that it's rained on and and watered. I watch out for it. It was a blessing land. But there was a bunch of giants camped on it. And they thought it was theirs. God didn't tell them about the giants. You know one reason God didn't tell them about the giants? He don't care about the giants. Giants don't bother him. Giants are only a problem to the degree they bother you. The Lord already knew how to deal with the giants. He already had it, the plan. He knew what to do. But the giants were a problem to the people. In the 25th verse, Numbers 13, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel to the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh. And they brought back word to them, to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, the big giant grapes and everything. And they told them and said, we came unto the land where you sent us and surely it flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it, this 200 pound bunch of grapes. Just like the Lord said, this place is prosperity veal. Verse 28, what's the next word? Oh, boy. Mm-mm. Here's where it all starts to go down. Hmm? What's another word for nevertheless? But. but. Well, I know all those healing scriptures are in there, but. But the doctors said that there is no cure. Yeah, I know, you know, I know those... They, Miss Phyllis got up and read those testimonies and all. You know, I know all that. And God did all those good things for those people. But, but you don't understand. This is, you know, the economy is, is not good. And this product has, the, the company's gone under and, and you just don't understand. No, you don't believe. You're magnifying the problem. Were they supposed to stop here and go, Oh, man, it's a good land. Ooh, it's wonderful, but... See, where's the emphasis? Where's the faith? Can you hear where their faith is at? Yeah, that's all That's all great and good. But how many understand when somebody says, but... That means forget about everything I just said. Right? God's a big God. He's a healing God. You know, I've had people tell me this. Yeah, now, Brother Keith, I know that God can meet your needs, and I know that He can bless you and all, but... Hmm? You're just getting you're just getting carried away. Trying to believe for all this big stuff. Just getting carried away. Well, I won't even I won't even get into the rest of that. Read this. They they said, Yeah, it's great, 
Nevertheless, the people that be strong, be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites are in the south, and the Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites are by the sea. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> by the coast of Jordan. How I many know when unbelief is getting carried away, somebody better stand up. Caleb stood up and said, shut up. He stilled the people. He said, hush. Now listen, let's go up right now and take this thing because we are well able to overcome it. And the guys that went with him said, are you crazy? Did you see, you saw the same giants we saw? Keep reading. The men that went up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people. Can you have what you say? Will you have what you say? If you say you can't be healed, how will it be to you? Hmm? If you say, well, you know, I don't, you know, y'all pray if you want to, but I just know it's this way. You said it, you believe it, that's what it's going to be to you. We're not able to go up. Against this people. They are stronger than we. If you say it's bigger than you. It'll be bigger than you. And they brought up a what? Was it a fact that the giants were there? And the huge walled cities. And that militarily. Technically they were probably superior. They were outnumbered. And they were bigger and stronger. So it wasn't a lie. Technically, and yet God calls it an evil report. Why? Because it contradicts what He said. And you're emphasizing the, the, the problem instead of Him. He said, I picked it out for you. I've given it to you. Now go get it. And they said, we can't. He said, I said, you can. They said, well, but we know we can't. Keep reading. They brought up an evil report to the... And, And they said, the land through which we've gone to search it is a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it are men of great stature. And we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. What do they believe in? They believe in the giants, don't they? They have faith in the walled cities, they have faith in the giants, and they said, this land will eat you up. Oh, man, they'll eat us up. We'll just be a snack for them. Huh? Isn't that what they're saying? They'll eat us up. That's what people say. This cancer will eat you up. This debt's going to eat you up. This business deal's going to eat you up. It's eating me up. And Christians, good Christians will come crying, it's eating me up, it's eating me up. Somebody said, you should feel sorry for them. That's how you die. If, you know, if you and I just sit down and feel sorry for ourselves, that's how we perish. Same thing that happens to people in the world will happen to us. You, if you've read the rest of the story, you know this whole bunch that's talking about how big the giants are, they all died out there in the desert. What about the men that jumped up and said, we can do it? What about Caleb? What about Joshua? It was 40 years later. But they did it. They got it. They didn't die out there. They got what others, millions of others didn't get. 
So chapter 14, they all lifted up their voice and they cried and they wept. I told you unbelief cries. They cried and they boohooed and they murmured and they said, I wish we would have just died in Egypt. Verse 6, Joshua, the son of Nun, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were with them that searched the land, they rent their clothes. Man, this unbelief was bothering them. They reached up and grabbed their collar and tore it. And they said, ah, shut up. They spoke to the company. They said, this land that we passed through to search it, it's an exceeding good land. Do you, do you hear a difference here? They're talking about giants. They're talking about the good land. Right? And they spoke to all the company of the children of Israel. They said, it's a good land. If the Lord delights in us, and we know He does, He'll bring us into the land and give it us a land that flows with milk and honey. Rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Huh? Did you hear that? These guys are saying, it'll lead us up. We're just like a grasshopper. They'll just they'll eat us up like a grasshopper. And these guys said, uh-uh, they're a piece of bread for us. Huh? We, today, what would we, what would we say? Piece of cake. Yeah, but they're giants. Piece of cake. Yeah, but it's cancer. Piece of cake. Yeah, but it's a hundred, 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 th- piece of cake. Yeah, but it's a moon, 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 piece of cake. You need to say piece of cake when you don't feel like, when you feel like crying. You need to say piece of cake. Amen. When you feel like running scared and hiding under the bed, you need to get up and say, piece of cake. Now see, if you were having to do it, it wouldn't be a piece of cake. It'd be impossible. But you're not doing it. He's doing it. All you got to do is believe Him to do it. And for Him who made the heavens and the earth, it's a piece of cake. I said, it's a piece of cake. Say, piece of cake. Piece of cake. It's easy for him. That's what we're saying. Easy for him. Glory to God. Go with me to to Luke 1 and Romans 4. And I'm getting ready to stop. Luke 1. Can you take a little more of this? Luke 1. Romans 4, everybody say God's a big God. The devil's a defeated devil. Hmm? Which is great, healing or disease? That was weak. Huh? Healing is much greater, far greater. Right? The answer, my answer is my God, and the answer is much bigger than the problem. Much, far greater. So you learn to quit crying and start laughing. Hmm? Learn to quit being impressed with the problem and the need. Start being impressed with your God. Until then, you won't be in faith. In Luke 1, you see such a, such a good example of what we're talking about this morning. This is all through the Word. Anybody that had strong faith did this. They had to minimize what was oppressing them, and they had to magnify God. And in uh, Luke, the first chapter, this is what we call the Christmas story. And it's about how that the angel appeared to Zacharias. 
And then he appeared to the Virgin Mary. And similar things came up, but they responded differently. Do you remember? In Luke 1, and the uh, 13th verse, the angel told Zacharias, Your prayers heard, and your wife Elizabeth's going to bear you a son, and you're going to call his name John, and you're going to have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. Now, when the Lord tells you something like that, what should you do? Huh? What should you do? You haven't seen it yet. It hasn't happened in the natural yet. But what should you do? Well, glory to God, let me go home and have a party. Huh? Let me go tell Elizabeth. Hallelujah. Is that what he did? That's not what he did. Verse 18, the angel, actually the word of the Lord through the angel the angel quit talking and Zacharias looked at him and said whereby shall I know this how would I know this could be because I'm an old man and my wife is well stricken in years how in the world could this be what is he magnifying huh he's magnifying his age anybody done that since then Yeah, but now, Lord, (laughs) you know, I'm 75 now. Hmm? I met a lady just the other day in Bible school. She was 80-something, just about to graduate, go out into the ministry. Amen. Amen. Fired up, ready to go, too. Yeah, but now, you know, we're getting old, Brother Keith. We're getting, you know, we're 63 now. That's ridiculous. I said, that's, well, it's stupid's what it is. It can be just a big old fat excuse. Hmm? What is your age to the Lord? I don't have any money, Lord, and I'm, I'm not too smart. Lord, and, and I'm, you know, you're impressed with the problems and the negatives. You're magnifying that. You know what happened? Zacharias began to magnify how old he was, how old Elizabeth was, and the angel says, you need to be quiet. Didn't he? And my words will come to pass, and you're going to have your mouth zipped until this comes to pass. Didn't he? Well, I almost wish I could do that for folks sometime. You know, just be quiet. Don't say a word till this thing comes to pass, because they're undoing their prayers. They're hindering our faith form with that unbelieving, problem-magnifying mouth. (laughs) Now skip on down. The angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, and he told her a similar thing. Verse 28, he said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou among women. When she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what kind of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, you found favor with God, and you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give unto him the throne of his father David. He'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, she asked a question too. It sounds real similar. But do you think there's any difference in her question? She said, how shall this be, 
seeing I know not a man. This is a question based on ignorance, but not a question of unbelief. There are two kinds of unbelief. Unbelief based on ignorance and unbelief that is unpersuadable. That's a whole other topic. But, you know, there are people that are in unbelief just because of ignorance. But then there are people who are in unbelief because they, they've heard the truth. You just can't persuade them. And she said, how can this be? And the angel answered her. He said, the Holy Ghost is come on you, going to come on you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Did she understand all that? What would she say then? What would she say? Verse 38, the angel went on to say, For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Well, okay. Be, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it to me just like what you said. That's faith, isn't it? I said, That's faith. You don't understand, but if the Lord says it can be this way, you say, Yeah, all right, fine. Be it that way, just like what you said. Be that way unto me. And you remember down a little bit further when Elizabeth, when she went and visited Elizabeth and the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb. And in verse uh, 45, she said, Blessed is she that believed. There will be a performance of these things which were told her. And Mary said, what? Huh? Mary said, My soul does magnify the impossibility of a virgin birth? No. Uh-uh. If she'd have done that, it wouldn't have happened for her or with her. Magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Magnifying God. Magnifying God. In Romans 4, if you're holding your place there. In closing, Romans 4. You know the story. Same type of thing about how Abraham was told of God that he was going to be the father of many nations. And in Romans 4.17, he believed God who calls those things that be not as though they were. Verse 18, against hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He believed. And being not weak in faith, he did what? Huh? Romans 4.19, not being weak in faith, he considered not. Did he magnify his body and the condition of it and Sarah's and their age like Zacharias did? He did not. He considered not. Now, actually, if you look up the, the definitions of the words there, the meaning is that he having considered it, he considered it not. That's what it literally means, that he, he, he thought about it. You know he thought about it. <laughs> I'm 99. She's 90. She couldn't conceive when she was 20 or 40. She's gone through the change of life. I'm 99. He looked at it. He considered it. And then he considered it not. He said, God said. God said. Huh? God said, and can you see now? He considered not his own body, now dead when he's about a hundred years old. He didn't consider the deadness of Sarah's womb, but what did he do? He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, doing what? Giving glory. Does that sound like magnifying God? Giving glory to God. 
magnifying God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He glorified God. He didn't glorify their age. He didn't glorify the disease. He didn't glorify the need. He glorified God. What are you going to do? I said, what are you going to do? I know there are needs represented all through this place. People that have been praying for your family, praying about your finances, praying about your body. Here's, here's some, some strong answers this morning. What do you do? You must not go in there and pull the blind and cry. I said, you must not. You must not tell everybody in hushed tones about how bad it is and how hard it is and all of you gather around and glorify how great the problem is. No, we got to stand up and laugh at it. Look it in the eye and laugh at it and say, you're nothing. You're nothing. How the men were cowering and trembling because Goliath was pacing back and forth. He's this tall. He's this big. David, strapping youth, looked up and said, you're an uncircumcised Philistine. And I'm going to give you to the birds. And then what he said? He belittled the enemy. Stand up on your feet. You need to say some things out loud with me. Say it out loud. I am not impressed by needs. I am not impressed with debts. I am not impressed by any disease or any problem. I'm not scared. I magnify God. Why don't you go ahead and lift up your hands. Begin to magnify Him. You tell Him out of your mouth that He's greater and bigger and stronger, wiser, mightier. Lord, You are the greater one. The greater one. You're far greater than any disease. Far greater than any problem. You are the mighty one. You are the great one. We magnify you. We magnify you. We magnify you. We magnify you. We magnify your word. We magnify your name. We magnify your spirit. We magnify your healing. We magnify your provision. We magnify you. We glorify you. Praise you, Lord. Go ahead, tell him some. Take a little time. Tell him. Lord, we magnify you. You're greater, bigger. Oh, we magnify you, we praise you, we bless you. You're greater. Now tell him this thing that you've been believing for and praying about. Tell him, this is easy for you. Keep telling him, this is easy. This thing is easy for you. This is easy for you to heal. This is easy for you to pay off. This is easy for you to fix. This is easy. Easy for you to do. This is a small thing for you. Small thing to you to do. Easy thing for you. In Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, we need to say this. We need to keep saying it tonight. We need to say it tomorrow. Anything that reminds you of the problem or the need or the sickness, don't just sit there silently and pine away or sigh about it. Look it in the face and say, "Uh uh-uh, no, you are nothing before my God. I'll not reverence you. I'll not fear you. I'll not bow down before you. God is my God and there is no other God beside Him. There's nobody like Him. 
Amen. Glory to God. You can be seated for just a minute. Would you close your eyes and just wait on the Lord? Lord, I pray for any and every person under the sound of our voice this morning who does not know you, who's never given their life to you, who has not been born again. I ask you to draw them to yourself powerfully right now. Help them to see their lost condition, that they are not okay. Help them to realize that doing good deeds won't save you. Joining a church won't save you. Being reared in a Christian home won't save you. Jesus said you must be born again. And if you've been born again, you know you have. And if you don't know that you have, you need to make a move. So, Lord, I'm asking you to draw these in Jesus' name. And I'm asking you for these, uh, anyone and everyone that has been born again, they have known you, they walked with you for a while, but for whatever reasons, they've got their eyes off onto other things and they've slipped back into ungodly lifestyle. I don't mean they made a mistake and repented. They've just gone back into an ungodly, sinful lifestyle. Help them to see how cold they are, how far off from you, backslidden they are, out of fellowship with you they are, but that you love them still, you'll forgive them, you'll cleanse them. It can all be better than it ever was if they just come back. Draw them, I ask right now, in Jesus' name. With eyes closed, nobody looking around. Friend, if I'm praying for you, would you lift your hand if you'd say, Brother Keith, that, that's me you're praying about. I've never been born again. I've never given my life to the Lord. Lift up your hand if that's you and you'd say, pray for me. I want to come and give myself to Him fully. I want to give my life to Him. Or if you'd say, yes, Brother Keith, I had wanted to admit it, but I'm, I'm, I'm that backslider you're talking about. I, I hadn't been living right at all. I've just left God and I need to come back. If that's you, would you lift up your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Keith. I'm, I'm coming back. I'm coming home. Oh, thank you, Master. There'll not be a better time if you're not sure, if you don't know that you know that you're saved and, and right with God. You need to make a move this morning in Jesus' name as we wait. Hallelujah. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Would everybody stand? I didn't see a hand. But in case there's somebody that for some reason doesn't want to respond, this is so serious. I want all of us to confess Jesus and reaffirm Him as our Lord. And if you've never done that, you do it with us this morning. Say it out loud. Father God, I believe in You. Your Son, Jesus. I believe... He died for my sins on the cross, paid the full price for every mistake, every failure. I believe you've raised him from the dead. He's alive right now. King of kings, Lord of lords, soon to come again. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe in you. As you help me, I will follow you all my days. Hallelujah. Now, if you said that for the first time, won't you come down to the front after the service and find one of the people down here? There's any number of uh, men and women down here that can talk to you about being saved. Just grab somebody and say, hey, I said it for the first time. And, and let somebody know that you are a believer. Well, I have confidence this morning. I'm stirred up that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Amen. I want us, hallelujah. I want us to keep feeding our faith along this line.
so that what used to look huge to us just doesn't look so big anymore. Amen. What used to seem impossible to us seems within reach. Amen. What used to look big, just not big at all. It's easy for him. Keep these things in your mouth and in your heart and on your mind. Sit out loud with me again this 34th Psalm. So I will magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just back up and say the whole thing. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. The humble will hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Hallelujah. One more time, lift up your hands. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you.